This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Tiansen. And a good, good day to everyone out there listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcasting platforms you're listening to. This is the Podium Finish Live, the world's fastest hour of racing talk. And I'm your host, Rob Tiansen, joined alongside, as always, my friend and co-host and motorsports journalist, Nathan Solomon. Welcome to the 50th episode of our podcast, which is really awesome and exciting. Not super exciting, exciting, which doesn't make it any less super exciting. But anyways, because it's a milestone episode, but we're two more weeks away from our one-year anniversary of the program. Technically speaking, it should be next week, but uh, unforeseen circumstances kind of pushed that anniversary back until Phoenix race weekend, which, eh, it's cool. We got a lot to get to on this program. For this edition, we are joined by Brennan Poole, our friend and driver of number six JD Motorsports Chevrolet Camaro entry and the NASCAR Xfinity Series. So uh, the transplanted Texan and Xfinity Series stalwart is going to be back again. Now that interview did take place during the Texas Motor Speedway race weekend of September 24th and 25th. So a lot of the talk will be about his return to a very competitive ride. As he raced at Texas, and this weekend, he'll be at Homestead once again with JD Motorsports, and then he will wrap up his season along with NASCAR for this year at Phoenix Raceway in about a couple of weeks' time. So we've got a lot to cover on that, and of course, it's the post-Las Vegas pre-Homestead edition, and not a lot happened at Las Vegas, right, because things stay in Las Vegas. Are you kidding? No, of course not. There's a lot of things that happened in Las Vegas that Nathan and I are going to unpack here on this edition of TPF Live. So let's bring in Nathan because I know he's raring to get going here. We are recording on Thursday night, so we're also watching our sports teams as we're as we're doing the show. He's got his Yankees in the postseason, hopefully destroying the Houston Texans and uh, Houston Astros rather. And of course, I am watching what's going on in the rink with the Boston Bruins. So Nathan, how are you doing right now? Doing well, actually. I think um, I think we missed two weeks um, over the summer or whatever for a couple, just a couple different reasons. So I think actually technically this is uh, all the one year anniversary this week. But, um, but no, we yeah we got a lot to talk about for sure. Um, <laughs> nothing happened in Las Vegas whatsoever. So um, I'm I'm sure we'll have a few things to say about that. Uh, it's just you're just tuning into the wrong podcast. No, I'm kidding. There's a lot of things that are going to be discussed about what happened. A lot of shenanigans, a lot of controversy, and at least two happy drivers that left Las Vegas, um, namely Joey Logano and Josh Berry. So we'll get to that on podium perspective. And then, of course, uh, we've got Brendan Poole, who is ready to go back to the future when he talks to us back on September 24th about his Xfinity plans and much more. But before that, let's bring in a little word about our partner, SpoilerDieCast.com. Hey, race fans. Are you in the hunt for the latest and greatest in NASCAR collectibles from Lionel Racing or sprint cars from Acme Diecast? Head on over to SpoilerDieCast.com. They've got a lot of offerings that you cannot find anywhere else, as well as some hidden gems that you may have lost during your childhood. And if you spend $20 or more on in-stock items or pre-order items, you can save 5% off your order and get free shipping if you use promo code TPF. Recently, I bought myself about 5 diecast cars from the Lionel Racing Collection, 
and it was going to be about $50, but with my promo code of TPF, not only did I get free shipping, but I saved about $2.50. Pretty awesome, I'd say. And my order arrived within three business days, which honestly, that's pretty fast given how you can wait around with snail mail all day long, but hey, Evan and Nitsin got it done and I'm a pretty happy diecast collector right now, so head on over to spoilerdiecast.com and if you spend $20 or more on in-stock items or pre-order items, use promo code TPF and you'll be in victory lane knowing that you save some money and look like a pretty awesome driver or car owner in your own right. Spoilerdiecast.com to be in victory lane right now with promo code TPF. Well, folks, before you go shopping online and get started on your early Christmas or holiday season uh, list, why don't you sit back and relax, grab some popcorn, cookies, chicken, rice, whatever, because it's time for Podium Perspectives. Well, this is a rather spicy subject for topic number one, because there's been so many opinions that have been disseminated online and social media, radio shows, and now on this podcast. Of course, there was that little incident on lap 94 in Las Vegas Motor Speedway during Sunday South Point 400. I'm just going to set up the scenario before I let Nathan chime in. Uh, but of course, there was an incident between Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson as they were battling for a position within the top 10. Now, Larson, Kevin Harvick, and Bubba Walls were battling, I think, within the top six or seven when they were heading into the back straightaway to turn three. Larson got a great run off of turn two, and Harvick let off the gas. He knew that, hey, Larson had the better speed, but also he didn't want to compromise himself in that three-wide shenanigan. And then as they were getting to turn four, Larson and Wallace were side by side. Apparently, there was a lot of like turbulence or some kind of issue that was going on in turn four with a lot of drivers where there wasn't a lot of mechanical grip to be had. So Larson kind of washed up the hill, didn't give a lot of space to Bubba Wallace, um, but there was no contact made between either driver. But Wallace did hit the turn four wall and feeling perturbed, Wallace went and left hooked Larson to wreck him out of the race. In the process, both drivers wrecked, along with Christopher Bell, who was kind of collateral damage. And then after the wreck stopped for all three drivers, well, we had a bit of a boxing match. Well, not really a boxing match, more of a shoving match that took place, a la Kyle Petty and Bobby Hillen in the 1993 Daytona 500. Afterwards, Wallace went and kind of didn't shove, but he sort of slapped or pushed the NASCAR official out of the way. Fist pumped his pit crew, and then he had this to say to Marty Snyder, which was a rather pointed interview, and then Kyle Larson chimed in afterwards. So here, let's hear from Wallace and Larson first. Walk us through what happened. Cliff Daniel said if that wasn't retaliation, I don't know what was. Was it intentional retaliation on your behalf? Clint's smart enough to know how easy these cars break. So when you get shoved into the fence, like deliberately like he did, trying to force me to lift, steering was gone. So just so happened to be there. Um, hate it. Hate it for our team. Um, fast, super fast car, had no short run speed as you were seeing. We were kind of falling there. Larson wanted to make a three wide dive bomb, never cleared me. And uh, I don't lift, so I know I'm kind of new to running up the front, but I don't lift. So wasn't even in a spot to lift, and he never lifted either. And now we're junk, so 
just a piss poor move on his execution. When situations like this happen, Bubba, at this speed, is retaliation an acceptable thing? Stop fishing. Stop fishing. I'm not fishing. I'm just asking you. Let's also talk about the message you wanted to send to Kyle by going up to him after the incident. He knows. He knows that what he did was wrong. Uh, he wanted to question what I was doing. He never cleared me. So um, just hate it for our team. Our McDonald's Twitter camera was super solid. Just needed to find a little bit on the short run, get the balance where we needed it, and it would have been just like Kansas. But now that car's jumping. There's always unintended consequences when something like this happens. Christopher Bell was a part of that. Clearly a Toyota teammate and a playoff driver. Your reaction to that? Sports. Yeah, Kyle Larson out. So walk us through the incident from, from your perspective. And did his reaction and retaliation kind of surprise you? Uh, no, I mean, it didn't, didn't surprise me. Um, I obviously made an aggressive move into three and uh, got in low and got loose and chased it up a bit. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he got to my right front and it got him tightened into the wall and knew he was going to retaliate. So, like I said, I mean, he, he had a reason to be mad, but uh, – his race wasn't over um, until you know he retaliated. So, it is what it is. Um, just uh, yeah, you know, just aggression turned into frustration, and um, you re retaliated. Is retaliation, Kyle, at that speed, an acceptable thing? I think with everything that's been going on here lately, with um, head injuries and um, you know all that, you know fractured ligaments and, and all that. I, I don't think it's uh, probably the right thing to do, but you know, hey, we've all done it. Maybe not all of us, but it, but I, I mean, I have. I've let the emotions get the best of me before too. So just, um, I'm sure, yeah, I'm, I, I know he's probably still upset, but I'm sure with everything going on, he'll he'll know that he made a mistake uh, in, in the retaliation part. And um, I'm sure you know, he'll, he'll think twice about it next time. What about the off-track retaliation when he came up and tried to shove you? Did that catch you off guard? No, I mean, I seen him walking over, so I, I figured he would do something. So just, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just, like I said, he, he had every right to be upset. Um, I'd rather him do that than, uh, than tear up you know, our, our cars in a, in a dangerous matter. Um, so, yeah, just uh, is what it is. Well, I mean, Nathan, I mean, a lot has been said. I'm going to chime in a little bit afterwards, but what did you have to make of that whole situation? Do you think NASCAR got it right to suspend Wallace for one race? Should they have done more? Was it too severe? What's your thoughts on all of this? Um, I'm actually really very much in favor of the penalty because it's really just a one-race suspension now, not racing that race, you'll obviously not earn any any driver points. So I guess it could be anywhere from like a one to sixty point penalty, like depending on how he would finish or whatever. But if that makes sense, just because of what points he would earn. But um, no, overall, I, I think it's a fair penalty. But I think that going forward, um, NASCAR has to continue that precedent for wrecks that are you know seemingly intentional, like. Um, Noah Gregson comes to mind in the extended race at Road America with Sage Karam. Like that was very intentional. Um, you know, he received a points penalty for that, but I think, um, you know, suspending him for a race would have um, sent a bigger message. And, and there have been other instances in the past that um, there have been crashes that have been very intentional, like even Carson Hosevar at IRP, very intentional. Um, you know, same thing, um, right? You know, right rear Colby Howard going down the front straightaway. Obviously, speeds are a little, a lot different, but it's not. You know, the concept's exactly the same. It's still a safety hazard. It doesn't matter if it's an action car, the truck, the city car, um, whatever. So I think NASCAR needs to be a lot more consistent on that going down the road. But overall, um, 
I think they got it right. Um, and, and for Larson's sake, I'm glad he acted the way that he did. He didn't, um, you know, try to go back, which could have, or like try to go back at um, Wallace, like when he when he went down and started like pushing him. Um, that could just created a, a worse situation. Um, you know, could have gotten, I guess, Larson suspended for, you know, all we know, or, or get him to, in, you know, point more points trouble or a fine or something. But um, he and he handled it perfectly, um, you know, in his interviews and everything afterwards, like you guys just heard. But um, I like NASCAR's ruling with this situation for Wallace. Um, and hopefully he'll learn for it, from it and hopefully for future incidents in all three of NASCAR series, um, NASCAR can, can, can continue um, to really put on that same penalty. I think that's what we all want to see from NASCAR is some consistency because I, there was a lot of like curiosity, predictions, what have you about what would happen to Wallace because certainly we all kind of knew that NASCAR was going to do some kind of disciplinary action against Wallace who, you know, he, he's a very passionate driver. You know, he is now a front runner, like you said. But along with that, you know, I think there was a lot of disrespect and contempt that didn't need to happen from Wallace to but Larson. I get he's frustrated. And, um, hey, I would feel a little upset, too, if I was being crowded. But at the same time, I mean, we'll talk about it in topic three. But basically, Josh Berry had the same incident happen to him in the Xfinity race on Saturday at Las Vegas and uh, with A.J. Allmendinger. But Barry didn't go ahead and wreck Allmendinger. He he raced on and he won the race. So, I mean... It's it's a battle. It's a matter of choosing your battles wisely and just being a bit uh, more mature about it because NASCAR is a really high intense sport and it's going to test you. And I know towards the end of the season, a lot of these drivers and pit crews are pretty tired mentally and physically. The long season, it's what race number 36, if you think about it, um, out of 38, if you count the non-points races. So a lot of toll takes place for these drivers, but. Like you said, Nathan, I do hope he learns from this. But like Kyle Petty says, it's going to be up to like Kyle. It's going to be up to Bubba Wallace if he wants to learn from that. It's on his, the ball's in his court, no pun intended, about him being with Michael Jordan's team. But the ball is in his court to get better about this. And hopefully he does because uh, he certainly is a great driver. He's bringing a lot of new eyes and attention to the sport that is really refreshing to have. And I will say it took a lot of guts to see Kyle Larson react as he did. I don't know if I would have been that calm as, as he was, but um, you heard what he said during episode number 48 on TPF Live, how you would be pretty chill about things like that. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised by his uh, sort of mild-mannered response. But that that was not the only crazy thing that happened at Las Vegas, of course. The round of eight is well underway, and I would say Team Penske sort of had a Jekyll and Hyde kind of race weekend. Because you had Ryan Blaney, who was looking like he was going to be cashing in with a jackpot victory at Las Vegas. He was super competitive. He had one stage two. And really, he had a lot of race winning speed for a change, uh, which has sort of been a, a struggle for them at times this season. Not to mention, they're, they're doing pretty well with that interim crew chief. I know that they communicate with uh, Jonathan Hassler, of course, through remote ways. So it's not like... It's a total loss without Hassler at the racetrack, but it looked like Blaney was going to win the race. And then unfortunately, he ran into some late race problems, which allowed Joey Logano, after some uh, potpourri of pitch strategies and some late race incidents for hit, for Logano to basically cash in and, and lock in his championship four spot. He got his third win of the year. And uh, yeah, he was pretty darn excited about it. So let's hear from Logano very briefly here about what it was like for him to win at Las Vegas. 
Joey, how about that call by Paul Wolf there to put on those fresh Goodyears after the rough pit stop? It actually worked out really well for you guys. <laughs> We're racing for a championship. Let's go! Car, Penske cars were all fast. All of them were really fast today. And oh man, uh, all you want to do is get to the championship four when the season starts and race for a championship. And we got the team to do it. I see why not. We can't win at this point. So things are looking really good for us. Awesome Pennzoil Mustang, great uh, Roush Shades motor in this bad boy. And uh, man, just a lot of adversity fought through the last uh, 50 laps or so. I thought we were going to win, then we kind of fell out and then had the tires. And racing Ross was fun. He was doing a good job air blocking me. And, I was trying to be patient and eventually I was like, I gotta go here. So uh, just great to win out here in Vegas again. And it means so much getting to the championship. Now we know what Logano feels like. He's feeling like a million dollars, but uh, Nathan, do you think Ryan Blaney has what it takes to get back in contention for the championship four, or is it kind of time to hit that panic button if you're a Blaniac? Not time to hit the panic button at all. I mean, two races left, obviously. They've had a lot of speed at the mile half this year. Um, it's been kind of weird because Chevrolet has had a ton of speed all year, really except for mile and a half tracks it's not, it's not that they haven't had speed at mile and a half it's just i think toyota and ford has been a little bit better um but penske in particular has really kind of found speed in the mile and a half here in the second half of the season so i mean seeing brett blaney go to victory or excuse me seeing lagana go to victory lane definitely gives me confidence that blaney would be able to contend at a place like uh homestead miami this weekend um and really, he's not far out of the out of points at all. He's seventh, but he's only five points back. So that's um, that, that's certainly you know something that he can make up uh, in a very short amount of time. And that's really a product of, of just him having a, a very good points day on Sunday in terms of in terms of stages. He finished fifth in a stage, and he won a stage. So um, you know, got sixteen points right there. So he finished, I think he finished like twenty sixth or twenty seventh or something. But um, you know, being able to add those sixteen stage points to a playoff point. Um, you know, that helps them out a lot right now without their stage points, he'd be in a, a really tough position here going forward, but, um, you know, really the, the, you know, the bottom five, I guess. So, um, well, really the whole thing is honestly, except for Logano, it, it, everything's just so tight. I mean, Ross Chastain has a little bit of an advantage, but, um, points are so tight right now. There's nobody that's in a really a must-win situation yet. I think Bell is last, but he's only, he's only maybe at at the most 15 or 17 points out so um a lot can happen in these next two races so um you know if Blaney has a strong day on Sunday at Homestead then he could easily be you know 10 points above the cut line there's just been so much chaos it, it's so hard to predict but no he's um been consistent all year he's, he's still in great shape to be able to transfer even though he's uh you know seventh and, and technically below the cut line yeah I mean, this is probably the most like tightest we've seen the points margin between those above the cut to those who are basically the caboose of the playoff train, uh, because you got Ross Chastain who's plus 18 and then Christopher Bell, who's um, 23 below the good. Anything can happen, especially at Homestead, which is not your ordinary intermediate racetrack. And then, of course, we got Martinsville, which we're hoping it's going to be a more competitive show. Hopefully we don't want to have a repeat of what happened at April because you and I were super excited about Martinsville on our April podcast, and that turned out to be a, uh, kind of a dud. We thought 400 laps in the spring would make it so much more exciting and, and ramp up the intensity earlier on, but man, thank goodness there's only 400 laps. I hope we're not going to feel that way on Halloween Sunday, because my goodness, 
we better get some treats, not be tricked about what's going to happen at Martinsville. But uh, Homestead's going to be fun. I, I really, I'm encouraged by what they we saw during the, the testing sessions. And of course, this was one of the first racetracks that the next-gen car tested at. And a lot of drivers had remarkable things to say about it. You know, Kyle Larson thinks it, it'll drive like it did with the old car, maybe even better. So I think if you're a fan of Blaney, you're a fan of Briscoe, uh, Christopher Bell or William Byron, I wouldn't worry. Don't hit the panic button yet, like Bob LaBelle from WBC. Boston says everything's going to be pretty chill, um, <laughs> at least until the last lap in Martinsville. Anything can happen. Now, speaking of the playoffs still, on the Xfinity side of things, it was a very good time for Josh Berry because he got another victory in the Xfinity series. And lo and behold, he was able to defend his ALSCO uniform. 301 victory at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Now, last year, of course, he was doing it as a pinch hitter, if you will, for Michael Annette during his, uh, I went not sabbatical, but his recovery from his injury that basically derailed the rest of his career, unfortunately. And now Michael Annette's not an Xfinity driver, but Josh Ferry pretty much proved that JRM Motorsports is in good hands with him. He had a pretty spirited duel with AJ Allmendinger within the last 30 or so laps, and they did have an incident basically in the same section as Wallace and Larson. But the outcome was different. The unfortunate thing for Allmendinger, though, was he realized he had two loose wheels, both on the right side, before their, well, was supposed to be the last pit stop, unfortunately for him. And now he's below the cut line. But like Blaney, it's not totally over yet for him because the Xfinity standings are pretty close to, um, and I'll get to that in a moment. But Josh Berry was pretty darn thrilled. Uh, I know Dale Jr. beforehand was a little worried about the pace and speed out of Josh Berry on Friday, but come Saturday afternoon, he made a believer out of his car owner. So let's hear from Josh Berry per the USA telecast. I want to take a step back, a couple laps, the move on AJ Allmendinger there, off for turn four, you get put in the wall. Did he squeeze you? I was a little bit tight off of four the whole time. I mean, he, he didn't, he left me a lane, but nothing extra, but... I wasn't letting off. That was for a trip to Phoenix. I, w I was willing to hit the wall and have a flat tire or whatever. These guys, these guys have done such a great job all year. Um, we've had a tough couple weeks, couple months, but we knew that we could do this if we were at our best. And uh, today was funny, man. The the car took off really, really well for 20 or 30 laps, and then we built tight. Um, so. Just like I said, had a caution with 30 to go and was able to wrestle the lead away from those guys and build enough gap to to keep to keep it. So I tell you, I'm just speechless. Josh, a couple years ago, you were racing late model cars around the southeast and short tracks, and now you're going to fight for a NASCAR Xfinity Series championship. What has this journey been like for you? It's just been incredible. Like I can't even put into words, really. Like when we sat down at the beginning of this year and, and knew this was going to be an opportunity for me. I mean, my goal is to make the championship four. I mean, I think if you do that, it's a, it's a successful year. And I can't believe we come here, locked ourselves in, get to breathe a sigh, breathe a sigh of relief the next couple weeks. Um, I'm just, just so excited. I just want to thank Danny Harrison, Harrison's USA, the regionally based in the Carolinas. He had a huge part in, in believing in me and, and getting me here, getting me this opportunity. Tire Pros, Jarrett Systems, HendrickCars.com, um, everybody back at Junior Motorsports, Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, I think this is Chevrolet's 
500th win in Xfinity or something. I, I, I think that would lot. I know it's a lot. It's a lot more races than I've won. But uh, gosh, just just very special right now. Very special. Just want to say hi to my wife and my little girl at home, all my family. I know this will give us some time for some of my buddies and family members to get ready to come to Phoenix and watch us race for a championship. What's your confidence level going into Phoenix? It's a lot better now. Now, Junior Motorsports has been having a dominant year, and it's been well documented, as you originally pointed out, that um, the team has pretty much acquired all the old Gen 6 cars from Hendrick Motorsports. It's got to be a leg up on the rest of the competition, but let me ask you this. Is this the first step for Junior Motorsports to sweep all of the championship four spots going into Phoenix? All four, I think it's a little ambitious personally, <laughs> but I think that three is a very good possibility. I mean, if it's like, um, you know, Sam or excuse me, not Sam. I, I think Sam, unfortunately, is kind of the odd man out here. Um, Cause I, I think there's a good chance at this point we see Noah, Justin, um, Josh, and then of course, Ty Gibbs. I mean, Ty Gibbs has definitely been the fastest non-JRM car all year um, everywhere. And that's not to say AJ can't win one of these next two races, but um, you know, I, I know that's kind of that their speed's kind of trending awkward on intermediates, but um, they've admittedly struggled a little bit on, on some of the intermediates this year um, and in short tracks at times as well. So I don't think um, Homestead and, and Martinsville are, are the best two tracks for them in terms of, of speed. I mean, I think AJ is pretty good at Martinsville, but um, just in terms of their speed, I, I don't know if it'll be enough, but um, you know, if AJ has a solid points day and maybe hopes for a couple of repeat winners, like I think, um, you know, obviously he wants, he wants a guy like Josh Berry to win again um, or someone like Noah or Ty, because, you know, they have, they have a pretty big points cushion right now. Um, so he, he definitely wants, you know, one of those three to win. But um, I, I think that there's a very good chance we see three JRM cars now that, um, now that, that Josh was able to win his way in, um, but it, it wouldn't, I don't know. It, I, I think that's the most likely option, uh, two or three for them. I, I can't see all four of them going in, that's for sure. Either. I mean, Ty will be in, um, and even if, if if an Austin Hill or an AJ Almanier gets in, I mean, that, that wouldn't surprise me either. But um, two, maybe three, that'll be my final answer. I think you are in agreement with Dale Jr. Uh, that's the same observation he gave me. After Noah Gregson's win at Texas, he I asked him the same question. I was like, hey, man, you, do you think that uh, you're going to sweep all the championship four spots going into Phoenix? And he was like, that would be the goal, but it's going to probably not happen because we've got some stiff competition in this division. And, uh, yeah, we can't dismiss Ty Gibbs. I know he's kind of been pretty quiet in the playoffs, but um, he's been there. He, he has kept within a shadow's length of the junior motorsports drivers and A.J. Allmendinger throughout these last several weeks. So, uh, yeah, we cannot count out Gibbs. And I really think that RCR, Austin Hill, he is going to be sneaky good. I can't count him out either. Who knows? Maybe he'll win at Homestead. Anything's possible. It's just that that's why it's your favorite division, Nathan, because there's just so much parity within that garage area that making a prediction, you might as well try to play the lottery. Yeah, and uh, just kind of quick observation on Ty Gibbs. Honestly, I don't think he's... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's won since he started. Um, maybe he's won once. You might have to correct me on this, but I don't know if he's won since. Um, okay, no, never mind. He won. He's only won once since uh, he's been in the uh, started driving the Cup car for um for twenty three eleven. He won at Michigan, so that was only his second weekend doing double duty. So, uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that that might be affecting him or not, but it certainly 
an interesting trend to keep an eye on. Not that he's not been in contention to win races, but um, hasn't won as much since uh, since been doing double duty. That's a very good point you bring up because yeah, he, I, he finished twenty seventh at Watkins Glen. He finished within the top ten between Daytona to Kansas, and then he had that wreck at Bristol. Um, and he's finished seventh or better in these last four weeks. But uh, yeah, he hasn't been to victory lane since the summertime, which is really strange. Uh, because based on his, you know, rate, winning rate in the spring, we figured he'd have double-digit victories in the Xfinity Series, and that turned out to be not the case. And Noah Gregson still has a chance to win ten races this season, which is um, would be nothing short of remarkable in the Xfinity Series. So we'll have to watch how he does because uh, Ty Gibbs is typically pretty decent on these intermediates, and uh, let's not forget that he is also pretty sharp in Martinsville as long as he doesn't get knocked out of the way. Huh, again, namely if Sam Mayer and him don't uh, hook fenders, but that's why we're going to watch the race on Saturday night uh, on Halloween weekend. And who knows? Maybe we'll have a soundbite to share on her um, after that race weekend. But right now, it's the time that we hope the Bruins and Yankees have. It's winning time here on Podium Perspectives. So as usual, I'll let Nathan go first and then I'll follow afterwards. Nathan, you go ahead and tell the fans at home who you think will win the races for the truck Xfinity Cup races and who is a sort of, sort of a dark horse bargain pick at Homestead. Oh man, um, these are so difficult. Okay, I'm gonna go Chandler Smith to win the to win the truck race. Doing a little double duty on Saturday, also in the Sam Hunt um, Xfinity car. Um, yes. but I'm going to, as many like dark horse, not really dark horse, but whatever. I think another guy that could very easily win the race to a reason, you know, I think the one in a while half earlier this year at Texas, um, you know, a lot of those dirt guys, they're, they're very good at a track like Homestead Miami. So I, I certainly think the Stuart Friesen will be um, up in the mix to win. Definitely not the number one favorite, but Hey, look, he's in the, uh, you know, the round of eight, if he can win, he'll put himself, uh, in, into the championship at Phoenix. And, and he's also pretty good at Phoenix too. So um certainly something to to keep an eye on there um Xfinity I'll go Noah Gregson you know he's he's also very good at Homestead um I know he's had some opportunities to win races there that that have just kind of not panned out just some some really bad luck and, and just some things that have not gone his way um as a dark horse pick I'll go I'll go Trevor Bain honestly again I know uh in you know one of the best seats in all of the Xfinity series but um been very underrated this year um, and it's like 10 or so eight ten race schedule, um, always running the top 10, top five, had another, had another good race on, um, on, on Saturday at Las Vegas. I think he's due to, uh, make it to victory lane. And, and I think that there's a chance he could be full-time next year. Um, uh, I think a win would maybe help solidify that for Bain. Um, and then on Sunday, I know I'm kind of going with some of the trendy picks today. Um, I'll go, I'll go with Carl Larson. I mean, I obviously, um, tough tough circumstances from from last week um been, been a tough few weeks for him not making the playoffs only won twice this year like i said dirt trackers seem to love and thrive on homestead miami speedway i will go with uh kyle larson as my um dark horse same thing not like a true like dark horse but, but tyler reddick obviously um out in the round of 16 early you know has won you know two races since his um the deal with his contract negotiations or well just with the RCR situation and, and 2311 situation coming out. And I obviously announced that he's going to 2311 um, next season because of, of Kurt Busch's retirement. Well, stepping away from full-time racing, which I know we didn't really talk to talk about, which is super sad, super unfortunate. Um, we'll miss watching Kurt, um, you know, compete weekly, but um, you know, he's just, 
you know, he's won two races since all that started. Uh, and, and he said he, he's not going to, you know, it's not going to change anything for this year. D- said it wouldn't change anything for next year. Obviously, he's leaving. But, um, you know, he stayed really, very focused, um, has had good r- runs at Homestead in the past. I think that uh, it's, it's a good recipe for success for him on Sunday to uh, give RCR his last win before, uh, before moving on to uh, Toyota in 23-11. And Chevrolet is going to really miss having Tyler Reddick around because he has certainly been a very pleasant talent for that brigade and uh, RCR too. I mean, I figured he would be the future of that team, but when the announcement was made in July that he was going to go to 2311, man, that that one kind of snuck up on us. Um, But now at a time where Kurt Busch is going to basically not race full times for the rest of his career in NASCAR, at least for the foreseeable future. And yeah, we didn't talk about that. and it's really a shame, you know, that Kurt Busch is not going to continue on. He has been a very fun driver to watch. Someone who has changed a ton since he arrived on the scene in 2000 at Dover um, Motor Speedway. And now uh, you got to see his final act, if you will, at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, uh, where he was a contender for the victory. And um, well, let's try not to remember Kurt Busch for what happened at Pocono, but rather as the ambassador to stock our racing. And as he says, someone who is a member of the NASCAR village, if you will. Um, that's his words that he said during his press conference. And uh, hopefully we see him back at least on a part-time basis in the Cup Series. But yeah, um, great picks right there, Nathan. I'll start with mine here very shortly. Now, of course, things at Homestead get kicked off with the Truck Series race, the second to last race that we're going to call the Truck Series, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, because starting next year, we're going back to 1996, by calling it the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, which is, uh, I'm glad we're going to do that because I'm I'm sure I'm not going to screw that up a few times on the podcast and on my articles. But um, the Baptist Health 200 Truck Series race is going to be kicking off on Saturday, October 22nd at 1.15 p.m. East Coast time on FS1. Now for this race, this one's going to be a toughie because it's the last race until the Championship 4 race at Phoenix for the Truck Series. Um but I'm going to be a little less trendier than you, Nathan. And I'm going to say that um, Judd Hunter Nemechek is going to win the race, just namely because he's had sort of a weird year uh, in the truck series, but he's only five points below the cut. And a victory for him would really be pretty opportunistic for him. The truck series is kind of an unusual situation on its own. You know, you got Ty Majeski, who's going to be in the championship for. And at least we know two of those spots are going to be guaranteed by points. So um, if John Hunter Nemechek doesn't want to sweat it out, what better way to do that than with a victory? And as far as a dark horse is concerned in the truck series race, oh boy, it's hard to call him one, but let's let's say Max Gutierrez. I think it's going to be still a little different there. I liked what I saw out of him at Texas Motor Speedway during the All-Star Race weekend. And the AM racing team, our AM racing team, certainly has a diamond in the rough that they found with uh, Max Gutierrez. So should be a pretty fun pick right there. And then moving on to the Saturday evening event of Homestead um, Miami Speedway, we've got the Contender Boats 300, the Xfinity race, the penultimate race of the round of eight. That race can be caught on USA Network at 4.30 p.m. East Coast time. Darn you, Nathan, you picked no, no Gregson because that's a pretty easy pick. He surprisingly has never won at Homestead, but I think that's going to change, like you said. But um, I'm going to try to deviate from you because that's what I like to do. Um, oh, gosh. 
I'm going to say Austin Hill is my pick to win. I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be an Austin Hill kind of race because he's been pretty good on these larger racetracks. And I know RCR, we talked about this off channel that admittedly the RCR organization and their affiliates have been a little off on the intermediates. But again, this is a new season, if you will, within a season. And Austin Hill has been very impressive when it comes to getting victories in a in a whimsical notice. Uh, so I'm going to say him, uh, Hill for the victory. For a dark horse pick, I like where you're going with the Trevor Bain. I am going to go with our friend Stefan Parsons because he has been so fun to watch with Alpha Prime Racing. He, well, you'll hear from him in a couple weeks time or after Phoenix, um, where I asked him about his Xfinity plans for the future. And uh, mum was the word, but if you want to read between the lines, I think it's a, this, the rest of the season's kind of on audition for him to see if he's going to be back with Alpha Prime Racing on a full-time basis. So if he can be in the mix for a top 10 or even a victory, uh, that would make uh, Tommy Joe Martins have a pretty good time figuring out who drives that number 45 car full-time next year. And then last but not least, let's talk very briefly about Sunday's Dixie Vodka 400, also the penultimate race of the round of eight for them. That race can be caught this Sunday afternoon at 2.30 p.m. on NBC. Now, last year, of course, William Byron won this race when it was race number three of the 2021 season. Now it's the third to last race of the entire 2022 season. So I'm going to agree with Nathan on this one, not because it's Kyle Larson, but Kyle Larson seems like the guy to pick for the cup race. He's been so close to winning at Homestead. There's a meme on Twitter going on right now that if you're having a bad day right now, at least you're not having as bad of a day as, as Kyle Larson during his most recent trips to Homestead, which is kind of a burn, but um, hopefully he changes that, uh, his fortune on at Homestead because he has been a solid contender at that racetrack throughout his cup career. But as, as far as a dark horse is concerned, I'm going to go... Ooh, this is tough because, honestly, I've been saying this for a while where Eric Jones has been pretty good. Let's go with A.J. Allmendinger because for some reason, he's been so good at, in the Cup Series this year. And maybe that is why, you know, Chris Rice and Matt Collick had an easy time to saying, you know what? We're going to have a full-time driver in the 16 car. We're not going to do this musical chair situation like we did in 2022. Let's go with the guy who basically got us to the front of the field. So A.J. Allmendinger, you're the dark horse pick in case Kyle Larson does not come through. But what do you think, folks? Are Nathan and I head on, spot on with this or are we wrong? Hopefully we're both right. We'll see. But uh, tweet to us, Nathan and Sully02. I'm at Rob Tiongs. And, and our Twitter handle, of course, is also at the podium finish. So that is podium perspectives for this week. Let's go into the hot seat right now with Brennan Poole. Now, very briefly, before we hear from Brennan at Texas Motor Speedway, let me tell you, Bull has been having quite the uh, journey or uh, odyssey, if you will, in the Xfinity Series, because this man should have won at Tech Talladega in 2016. And we, we all know what happened in that situation in that race. And then we all know that he had a pretty good Xfinity Series season in 2017. And then a certain situation happened with their sponsor, which we're not going to repeat on this podcast because it's pretty sad. But um, <laughs> 
Poole has been a survivor. He's been perseverant. He has taken any opportunity and tried to make it a positive one. And in fact, in 2019, I think he got a runner-up finish at Charlotte Motor Speedway for, um, was it One Point Motorsports or uh, On Point Motorsports uh, and Charlotte Motor Speedway in 2019, which that's one of the most incredible results I've seen considering who he finished second to in that race. But the Woodlands, Texas native is really looking forward to his audition, if you will, with JD Motorsports. So prior to the Andy's Frozen Custard 300 at Texas Motor Speedway, uh, Brendan and I literally chilled out in his hauler because it was almost 110 degrees track temperature <laughs> at Texas Motor Speedway. So we were glad to be inside of his hauler where the AC was pumping. And um, yeah, just it was a pretty fun driver's chat. And I may have done this interview while wearing a Hans device. So kids, don't try this at home. I li- I'm not kidding. I literally did because he had it in front of us. And I was like, let me, let me put this on while I talk to you. I don't know why. I just wanted to figure out, feel, understand how these drivers feel like in the car. So sit back and relax and enjoy this latest edition of In the Hot Seat with Brendan Poole. Welcome back to the Pony Finish Live, folks. This is Rob Tiongson here at Texas Motor Speedway with Brendan Poole. Brendan, thanks again for joining us here on TPF Live. You're actually here in person with me. Um, unfortunately, this is an audio format because this phone actually cooked before that. So we uh, let it cool down like an engine. So here we go. We're going to get this through. And uh, we won't talk about the heat too much, but let's talk about the fact that you've got a three-race ride with JD Motorsports' as number 16. So congratulations on that. How thrilled are you to take the wheel of this car, starting with your hometown race here at Texas Motor Speedway? Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm really excited for the opportunity. And, um, you know, JD and them have been talking to me um, over the last couple of weeks leading into Texas. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure if I was even going to be able to drive for them until Friday last week at Bristol. And, um, yeah, I'm just really thankful that it all came together and to, to be able to, to drive for Johnny has been a lot of fun so far. We've had a great practice and qualifying effort this morning. Um, and so just getting acclimated to driving for a new team and all those types of things, you know, we've kind of worked through some of that stuff this morning. And, yeah, I'm excited about, about the race. And, shoot, man, I get a couple more opportunities at the end of this year with, with Homestead and Phoenix. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, just going to be a lot of fun. So I've got family and friends here uh, this weekend, and then I'm going to have the same thing in Phoenix. My dad lives in Phoenix, so I have a lot of support out there as well. So I'm excited about that. Um, I think that these three races um, that I have with the team are like really great places for me. So, yeah, I mean, you know, just trying to go out here and, and have uh, three really good solid runs and, and stay out of trouble, do all the, the little things that we can control right, and and hopefully come away with um, you know some three three top twenty finishes. And um, yeah, I mean, I think the goal is to try to see if we can't try to figure something out for for next season and to sort of uh, go ahead and, and, and start trying to put this relationship together and, and see what happens over the off season. But yeah, I'm just super, super thankful to um, be able to, to race my home state and, um, you know, get this, this relationship fired off on the right foot. And there's nothing better like coming home. Texas has been a good, great racetrack for me. And I always tell people, you know, I've, I've won at the dirt track, the little fifth mile, the road course in the infield, the little legends track on the front stretch. I've wanted everything here but the big track. So I'm hoping at some point in my career, or hopefully maybe I can get that done and I can say that I've won at every, every race. So every racetrack service that Texas has. But um, you know, it's fun. It's a super hot one today, and, and I'm, I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm excited. 
I think it's going to be a very popular victory to say the least if you make it happen for the Longhorn fans. <laughs> I know, I've had a lot of fans and a lot of uh, support here at the track. You know, I've got some people that have been camping out, been following my career for a long time. It's always fun to, to go and say hey to those people that are supporting you. It means a lot to me. And, and yeah, I mean, Texas has been uh, has been a great uh, uh, has been a great place for me. You know, growing up, racing here, all that stuff, having all the the support. You know, it's just it's really cool when I get to come back here and race. It, it means a lot to me. You know, so it's it's a special place. Certainly, and I have to say too, this is a great team to get that foot in the door because we've seen the likes of G, uh, Landon Castle make his way to a really good team. I mean. The list goes on. Ross Chastain. I mean, he's yeah. in the Cup Series now. So I mean, when you think about this audition, if it will, you know, is there a potential? You mentioned to possibly race for this organization, or even a different situation for next season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think there's a, a lot of opportunities out there, a lot of, of seats that people are still trying to fill, and you know, you just never know. I keep grinding and and fighting through it. It's been a it's been a tough two years since I raced full time in Cup in 2020, and yeah. um, you know, I battled through a wrist injury with surgery and everything else, which basically kept me sidelined most of 2021. So, um, you know, I've, I've been very grateful for the opportunities I've had this year to be in this garage, whether in the Xfinity or the Truck Series, and um, yeah, to just take on that fight. So. Yeah, I think there's a couple of different options for me next year, and, and you know, we'll just have to see. I, I hope one of them comes together, and, and I can just be back racing full-time and, and um, you know, try to try to do something um, fun with people that I enjoy working with. And um, certainly, uh, if something works out here with J.D., I'd be just as excited about that as, as anywhere. So, um, J.D.'s been in, in the sport a long time. They, they, they battle hard, and, and they fight with everything that they've got to, to get good finishes, and they've seen a lot of good drivers come through here, so I'd like to, to add to that if, if the opportunity is there for me to do that. I certainly think Mr. Longhorn himself can make that possible because <laughs> uh, I've seen you do some things on the race car that are really incredible and uh, you know a lot of folks on Twitter I think you become something of a social media champion because a lot of folks are saying man if Brandon Poole can get a good ride he's gonna do such great things with it I mean when you hear those kind of reactions online given how social media can be you know how how uplifting is that especially when you're fighting as hard as you had the last couple of years yeah it's great to um read a lot of the support and and um you know for me I, you know it's just great to know that there's there's fans and and people out there um that are supporting you that have your back and so that's been really nice to read um all the comments on um you know getting this opportunity this weekend or for these three races so that's been been fun but yeah i mean i I certainly feel the same way that if, if presented the right opportunity in a good car that I can, you know, again, make playoffs and battle for wins on a regular basis and fight for the championship. I don't think in my career I've yet quite had the right combination um, of guys um, around me to, to be able to get that done, but um, it's been... It's certainly been a journey I've learned through every every step, every team I've driven for, they've all made me better, and I think that I'm the best I've ever been right now, so um, if I could get an opportunity in a really good car, um, it, it would be, I think it would be really fun for me, but I, I think we can get to victory lane and battle for a championship, so we'll just have to see, but, you know, the, the fans certainly give you that extra little, you know, all those the things, they, they breed confidence, and, and um, you know, they, they just help you, <laughs> although there are also, you know, you gotta, you gotta fight with the troll on there as well too occasionally but um, you know so I, I read the good ones I try to try to keep up with what everybody says to me but also it's hard to get through all of them at the same time but but I'm very just appreciative of, of the support that I have I see the the Pouliacs are really out there out in the lie for sure and finally came up the nickname for you because I remember in TPF Live we were like we got to come up with a nickname for your fan club so I said Pouliacs yeah Pouliacs would be great I love it we'll get some shirts made and uh, Pouliacs and try to put them on the website that's something we should do. We should talk more about that. That would be cool. A little commission for uh, the P TPF and Rob Tiongson right now. But 
gotta keep that uh you know going for sure now this dawned upon me on the drive up to you know from austin to here that jd motorsports is fielding two cars for two texans i mean i know you're texas by move yeah. but you're a texan still and your teammate bailey curry he's mr drift with texas what's it been like to work with bailey and you know trade information stories about your hometowns and has he told you about the greatest barbecue like salt plate <laughs> Barbecue. Well, um, yeah, Bailey and I get along really well. Surprisingly, we haven't been able to like interact a whole bunch, but you know, we talked some at Bristol, and we've been talking this weekend, leading into this weekend. Um, you know, little things about you know the PJ One traction compound resin stuff on the track, what our cars were doing. Uh, you know, we were we were we were really close through throughout practice and, and even make uh, uh, qualifying. I mean, we we're just a tenth apart. So um, you know, so it's been fun. You know. He's, just being able to, to communicate with the teammate has been nice to talk about where you're at and, and sort of the differences between the two cars and what you think you might need different than another. But, um, you know, so yeah, we get along great. And yeah, I think it's wild. I was thinking about that too. I mean, two Texans drivers, how funny is that? But I think, you know, we both kind of grew up in the Texas environment, so we have similar personalities. And, um, you know, I think it just makes an easy conversation when talking about racing. He's passionate about the sport like I am. And so it's just been fun to, to have those discussions and try to, you know, just just see where we're at, learn from each other as much as we can. It's it's been a short it's been a short week really from Bristol to here, so there hasn't been a whole lot of time for it. But yeah. um, I think our communication through today and leading into today has been has been really good, and it's been um, it's been fun so far. So I think we work work well together in the future. We had three races to see how well you guys will gel together. So that's going to be super fun to watch from our perspective uh, as press. Now to take it off gears for a little bit. What song do you associate with NASCAR, at least when you're behind the wheel and battling on the racetrack? You know, I always try to, everyone always says Bulls on Parade for me, for my song, but I mean, I, I don't, uh, you know, that's a tough one. I listen to a lot of weird stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't listen to a whole lot of country. I did at one time, you know, but I listened to a lot of, like, uh, weird stuff, like from, um, there's this guy, he's, like, called Younger One, and it's spelled with, like, X's and all kinds of stuff. I'll send it to you. You, <laughs> you might like it. I don't know, but it's, it's very different. It's, like, a mixture between, like, singing, pop, like, a rap stuff, and it's very, like, calming, like, almost, like, jazzy, flowy, and I just like that kind of stuff, but, you know, it depends. I, I, uh, I grew up in Houston, so I love the Houston rap scene. That's kind of, like, what I grew up listening to, whether it was, like, Trade of Truth or, or uh, Zero or something like that, or... You know, so I've listened to all that stuff. So when I come back to Texas, I feel a little swag with that. I want to listen to some of the oldies from when I was a kid driving to high school, you know, and thinking I was cool. But, um, you know, I, as far as something like that, I mean, I, you know, I don't even, like, really listen to music like a lot of the guys do before they get in the car. I just kind of stick to myself, do my own thing, try to just quiet it out. You see, we're sitting here in my in the lounge in the holler, and it's just, it's very just normal, quiet. We got AC blasting, which is nice, but I just try to, you know, I try to keep things as calm as I possibly can before I go out and, and get in the race car. I can definitely understand that because even though I don't go 200 miles an hour at my office job, I certainly just want peace and quiet before yeah. I put my honest eight hours in. So yeah. A little different, but I totally can understand your perspective for that on that for sure. Now, speak, you talked about your younger self listening to the cool Houston rap music, which you should send to me for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, what advice would you give to your younger self about the journey you've had so far in racing? Man, that is a tough one. I guess to just learn to roll with the punches. Um, that my career has been very up and down, um, and there's going to be down moments and there's going to be high moments. 
and you've got to learn to enjoy the moments when you're in them and um, you know and when the moments are down know that it's going to turn around um, and, and that's tough when you're young you know when I when I first got to NASCAR when my first races you know I was 23 24 years old um, and there are a lot of uh, good moments but a lot of difficult moments through um, my journey and, and uh, I think like knowing and having the faith that something better was around the corner would come out of, of what I was dealing with that I was learning through this process that it would get better that's probably what I would tell myself I think you know the hardest part you know is as a race car driver is like you know when you're racing there's so much stuff going on but to actually like live in that moment life is only moments and if you can't live in the moment and remember these moments that's really all that you have so I think try to enjoy the moment a little bit more um, and and then just you know relax and have fun with it I think I you know sometimes you overthink as a race car driver you get these big opportunities and you try to you want to make the most of them because it means so much to you and you know, just get out there and drive the car, you know, and I just tell people, man, I'm just going to get out there and drive the crap out of it, and that's all I do now, I feel like I'm in a much better place mentally than I was uh, several years ago, I feel like I've learned so much over the years that, you know, I'm at the best place I've ever been behind the wheel, I just um, need the chance to go out there and show it. I like that, it's kind of like this, the quote from Top Gun Maverick, don't think, just do. Yeah, just don't, you gotta let your instincts take over. Um, and for me, that's when I'm the best, when I just let my instincts do it and I just drive. I don't worry about anything else. Um, you know, you just, I'm, I'm racing for, for my passion and for me, you know, and, and, and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It just matters um, at the end of the day that you did everything you could and, and have fun and, and remember why you started doing this in the first place, right? And, and um, you know, for me, it's just been a lot more enjoyable here um, this year. And, you know, I enjoyed this morning very much. and. I'm looking forward to enjoying the race this afternoon and, and the few more races I get the rest of these, this year. And plenty more of next year, because that's what I'm thinking for you <laughs> for in this case. Uh, I totally understand what you're saying for sure. You kind of think of my next question, which is kind of scary, because Ferris Bueller once said that life moves fast, and if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. So it sounds like you have done some pausing and consideration of realizing that, hey, you're doing what many of your idols have done in the past. You, I'm sure you're a little boy growing up in California and Texas. You watched the 90s era of NASCAR, and you're like, man, that would, that would be cool that to, for that to be me, and here you are, you're doing it. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you want to win so bad, and you want to try to put yourself in the best position to win, that you lose sight of the things that you're actually doing in the moment, and um, for me, I've done some really cool things, you know, I finished 16th in the Daytona 500, I've ran 9th at Talladega in a cup car, I've done really, really, uh, really just crazy things that not many people get to experience. You know, I think I'm like one of 2,000 and something people that have ever ran in the Daytona 500. I mean, that's just wild. I'm one of those guys. So I feel very blessed and fortunate that I've had those opportunities. But, you know, but I still, you know, you love racing so much. Like, I, I want to keep going. I still have a lot more left that I want to do and accomplish. And, and um, you know, I want to win a race. I want to uh, fight for a championship in a Final Four. So there's a lot of things that... I'm still pressing for that mean a lot to me in my career and so I'm fighting for those things but yeah I mean I've, I've done some really cool things I've raced with big teams I've raced with small teams I've raced with teams in the middle I've experienced a lot of it I, you know I've, I've um, you know I think I've just about experienced everything you can experience in the sport and even when I was younger you know I've spotted I've driver coached I've filmed Darkfish for RCR I've done a lot of different odd jobs I worked in the shops helped set up cars and stuff in the arcade days so um, you know, I've done a lot of different things that have made me who I am today, and, and um, you know, I feel like I'm on the cusp of, you know, possibly being the best that I've, I've been behind the wheel. So for me, I just want to try to create those opportunities and, and go out and do what I love to do, and uh, but enjoy it a little bit more than I did in the early years, 
and I'm um, trying to take in every moment. You know, life is life is short. It goes quick. Um, it seems like just yesterday I, I was, you know, making my first Xfinity start, and um, you know that time goes by quickly. So just in, learn to enjoy the moment, appreciate the, the opportunities and things that you have, um, and enjoy it while it's here. It won't always be here. So for me, I just I'm gonna go have some fun today and enjoy the race, enjoy the moment. My friends, family are here. And um, you know, just try to have as much fun as I can, and, and do it in front of my home crowd. It's just there's there's not much better than that. Certainly, for sure. I got a couple more questions, you know, offbeat before we get, uh, get wrapped up here. If you had access to Marty McFly's DeLorean time machine, <laughs> what place would you go to? What time and why? Man, that's a tough one. I'm, I'm, as a race car driver, there's a lot of races and things that you you know mistakes that you learn from that you'd like to go back not you know now knowing the mistake and do it differently. So uh, there's probably so many of those I could tell you, but um, to make it fun and interesting and not so like I would go back to this race and change this. Like let's just say for fun's sake, you know I don't know. I, I, you know the '70s always seem like a really cool time. You know maybe maybe some of the maybe some you know late '70s early '80s. I just think it would be like just a much simpler time where. Um, you know, not having a cell phone in your pocket and being able to go and do stuff with your friends and maybe, you know, maybe get into a little bit of trouble uh, <laughs> driving cars fast on the road or something like that or, or, you know, just something like that. It would just be fun to, to see that time and, and um, you know, before that, man, it would be wild to see, you know, when they first, um, you know, when the country started first, like, starting to get developed. I'd love to go see New York City, like, in the beginning. I mean, imagine that. Imagine seeing New York City with like hardly any buildings and it's just getting started, right? It would be yeah. wild to see that. Like, I, I, I'm also kind of a little bit of a history nerd, so I would like to see see something like that. And I'm sure, man, even those old old Western days. Was the Westerns really like what our films are? I don't think so. I'd like right. to see that too. I mean, there's so many things that I would like to go back and see and do and um, and just experience, and, that, and not just read about in a book or see a movie about it. You know what I mean? There's yeah. Like, there's like so many so many things. I mean, I think about, too, I'm a big film guy, as you know. I love film, movies, shows. Um, I'm obsessed with it. I would love to even, like, try to be an actor someday or something like that, because I just love it so much. I was a drama kid. I was in drama when I in high school. So, like, you know, I would love to do something like that. Like, imagine going back to the beginning of Hollywood and seeing, like, some of the how they made films back in the day. I mean, all that stuff is interesting to me. So it's hard to, like, pinpoint one thing, but if I had to go back to a to a a decade, I think it'd be crazy to see my dad or somebody in like the late 70s, you know, early 80s, and just like spend some time there and see what life was like, you know. And would you make it known that you are his son or just kind of be like, kind of, why do you reply to it? I don't know. I'd probably try to hide under the radar. I don't want to mess anything up in the in the, in the time frame, you know, change some stuff up. I also, what, what's interesting though is like, I would, I think it, I think it's like more possible to travel forward in time. I think that's correct. That's like, like yeah, it would be nuts to like go like thirty years from now or fifty years from now and oh, see like what if I have children or what's that gonna be like? Like and just like bounce ahead and see like kind of look back on the things that the things that I might do in my racing career that I don't know now or don't seem possible. Those types of things. Like is what happens? Like it'd be fun to try to see all of those things, but. Unfortunately, we'll just take it one day at a time and see what happens, right? Oh, for sure. That would be kind of scary because then my nephew would probably be my age, which would yeah. make me my dad's age, and well, I don't want to imagine yeah, that. Yeah, no, we got a long way to go before we get there. For sure. Oh. oh sure. Just one more question because I know it's almost race time. Earlier this year, you commented about your love of Legends of the Hidden Temple, which yeah. that went on for an hour, which yeah. I'm cool with. Don't worry, it won't be that long. But, you know, would you and Lindsay want to be on the revival of the show? And if so, which team would you choose? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. That'd be some convincing to get Lindsay to get to go. But, um, you know, her favorite color is purple. Are they the purple monkeys? It's a purple... 
Is it the purple monkeys? that or purple parrots? Purple parrots. You probably want to do that because their favorite color is purple. Um, so I probably would say that. Convincing her to do that would be a stretch. I would really? want to do it though. Yeah, I would, she might say that she would want to do it, but I don't know, man. I, uh, that would be that would be a stretch to get her to do it. But I, I think it would be a tremendous amount of fun. Listen, I'm trying to get her to go camping right now, and and like for real camping, not glamping. Like with, like let's go find a place, bring some tents, hike, and get a group of friends to do it. And and yeah. I'm losing that battle. So. Well, just a reminder that it's good to get fresh air and. Yeah. It's nice we'll to look at the cook nice outside. Cook we'll outside. She's been on me about fishing. I bet she's been uh, getting obsessed with Deadliest Catch. So she wants to go <laughs> catch fish now. She's obsessed oh with it. I'm, so I'm, I'm watching Deadliest Catch with her like almost every night. And now she she doesn't want to go crabbing. She just wants to go fishing. So I think in December we're going to go we're going to go fishing and and uh, I'll try to share pictures on social when that happens. Here you go. I was going to say to be a romantic, you could be like, well, look at the beautiful skies, the stars, and the moon above us. Yeah, there's no air conditioning, but uh, you know, <laughs> it's fine. Well, let's not think about the heat right now, but uh, Brendan, do you have anything else you want to say to the fans before we wrap things up? No, just uh, appreciate all the support from everybody and thankful for all my supporters, the opportunity uh, JD has given me. And um, we'll just go have some fun today and enjoy it. And uh, I promise you I'm going to lose probably about seven pounds this afternoon of pure water. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Brendan Poole, driver of the number six JD Motorsports Chevrolet Camaro in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. You can catch him this weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. And one more time when the season wraps up at Phoenix Raceway. But folks, this episode is almost in the books. Now, as far as my content concerned on TPF, I know it's been kind of slow and quiet with my work and school schedule, but um, I am looking forward to publishing a few more of my interviews, um, namely with Landon Castle, who we heard from in episode 49. And then I'm going to get a few more interviews up as well, namely Tyler Reddick and uh, some videos as well. So Stay tuned for that because like Nathan said, this is technically the one year of our show. So happy one year to TPF Live, the podcast. Um, but in two weeks time, it'll be the real version because it's episode 52. But hey, I'm technical and I'm a technical writer too at some place that I'm not going to name it yet right now. But uh, Nathan, what do you have on the pipeline? I know you've been pretty busy on the road and uh, with your Yankees. Yeah, I've been, I've been really busy with like a bunch of school stuff and like, um, School stuff, clubs, all that. I mean, I'm literally more organizations like outside of my outside of my classes than I am classes. So like it's been it's been busy for sure. Um, what's the Yankees game on Saturday? That was fun, except for the fact that they blew a two run lead in the ninth inning and lost. But fortunately, they won the series, so it's okay. But um, this weekend, though, um, obviously a big weekend here. There's a little triple header action, which is always fun. So. Um, you know, we'll be uh, kind of like a lot of coverage for all three series, a big, big cutoff race in the truck series. Uh, of course, Xfinity always puts on a good show. And then Cup Series, some uh, anticipation for uh, for Homestead, which has always been one of my favorite tracks. It's been kind of sad, too, because um, the last couple of years, Homestead's been like the forgotten track because in 2020, it got rescheduled to like early June, pretty, pretty shortly after they came back from the pandemic. And then last year, so early in the year. And then now this year, it's so late in the year. So it's been almost two years since they've been to Homestead. So excited that we're going back. Wish you still the championship, but um, it should be a fun weekend. Yeah, I mean, my Homestead Miami Speedway, I think you and I are going to agree, agree on this. This track needs to be the season finale venue again one more time. 
there's no reason for this to be bouncing about <laughs> like a basketball. This track deserves to be the pinnacle of deciding a championship, not some random date. But uh, hopefully NASCAR comes through with their senses and brings back the Southern Florida track to that spotlight. But yeah, man, I really appreciate what you're doing. And uh, hopefully the Yankees make do with the Houston Astros, because even though I live in Texas, I uh, I do not like the Astros. Sorry, Texas. Don't hate me. I am from Massachusetts, and it's hard for me to even root for the Yankees because I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. But that's a topic for another time in another place when it's the offseason and I can do some um, real talk baseball on TPF Live. But folks, it is time to close out the show because Nathan's going to get back to watching his Yankees. I am going to get back to watching my Boston Bruins, and I don't even know what the score is as of this moment. That's how real time we are. Oh, it's a tie game. So when we wrap up, hopefully both of our teams won because if they didn't, that means we're in a pretty crappy mood for episode 51. I'm kidding. Episode 51 is going to be coming around the corner. So let's wrap up this show. Thank you all for tuning in to TPF Live, the world's fastest hour of racing talk. Again, so for Brendan Poole and Nathan Solomon, I'm Rob Tionson saying thanks so much for tuning in. As always, you can catch previous episodes of TPF Live on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcasting platforms you're listening to. And next week for episode 51, we're going to hear from Alex Bowman. I know he's been sidelined, but um, we did catch up before all that happened at Texas Motor Speedway. So pretty entertaining interview that I hope you folks will enjoy. He is a defending winner at Martinsville, and while he won't be defending that race win, he has a lot to say about things in NASCAR. And uh, I can't wait for you guys and girls to hear what he has to say. It's one of my favorite interviews of the entire season. But before that, as I always say, let's all get that checkered flag and do it in winning style with a burnout. And until next time, folks, see you out there. So long, everyone. <laughs>